that. And the Bible says in uh, 1 Timothy 6, 12, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and, which, and, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And I want to read the first part of that. Fight the good fight of faith. We hear that over and over and over. But then it says to take hold of the eternal life. Take hold of the eternal life. God's just not asking you to fight. He's asking you to take hold of something. And that eternal life means more than heaven one day. Jesus said, in this life, I pray that you would have life and have it in abundance and to the full until it overflows. Some versions say that you would have life and have it more abundantly. So God wants you to grab a hold of the eternal aspect right here on this earth. To do that, we're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. Many people think when they're battling and doing spiritual warfare, you think you're battling the devil. Not so much necessarily. You're fighting the good fight of faith. In the process of that, you're maintaining victory over the devil because Christ has already paid the price for your victory. Amen? He's already gotten victory. Go back and listen to the first two messages of this year and God will show you that he's already obtained victory for you. So you're not fighting to get free. You are free. You're fighting to maintain freedom and so your fight is the good fight of faith to remain free in Christ Jesus after what he's already done for you. Amen? If you got that, say, oh yeah. oh yeah. Good, so we can move on. Y'all are with it this morning. I'm grateful for that. And so the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 12, for we do not wrestle. Everybody say wrestle. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Today we're going to talk about fighting. We're just going to talk about straight up old school beat down fighting in church. And we got to begin to watch how God has taught us to fight. Now in this battle of fight that we said right here, for we do not wrestle. That actual word really means to fight. And literally means this in the Greek. It's the word pale. And it means to wrestle or to have hand to hand combat. Hand-to-hand combat. Now, we look at wars today, and we're thinking of bombing missiles, and we're thinking of long-distance fighting. No, the, the word wrestle here that the Bible talks about, it literally means hand-to-hand combat. It means you are face-to-face with somebody or something, and you're ready to throw down. How many of y'all have ever been in a fight in your life? How many of y'all have ever been in a fight for your life? All right, now, come on. We're going to begin to learn how fighting means and what he's trying to get at here the word also is defined as a bitter struggle or intense conflict so many times uh, i believe this we we have made so many game analogies out of our christian walk such as it's like a football game or it's like a basketball game or it's like golf it's a game or it's like fishing or fishers of men it's a game we've we've used the term game so many times in our messages versus spiritual walk that we forget the fight is real That we forget the fight is here and we forget that it's face-to-face combat that the enemy is not playing a game. He's playing for death. Now some of y'all got to get a hold of that. The enemy is not playing a game. He's playing for death. He's trying to kill you. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so I ask for your forgiveness out of all the game analogies I've used in the past. If it uh, lighten your aspect on spiritual warfare or warfare in general because warfare is not a game. It's a reality that we're in. And so today I pray that you'll begin to hear this out. And as we go in this, the Bible talks about we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And if you go back to studying where Paul was writing, um, this, this word pale is derived, um, or this word pale is from the Greek, and in Greece they had this city, and it was called Palestra. Palestra literally means house of combat. 
They got this word palestra from the word pale that means bitter or intense conflict. And so this house of combat is where they would train their boxers, their wrestlers, and what I call our modern day UFC fighters in battle. They would train their boxers. Now, their boxers were not like today's boxers, if you watch boxing. Boxing was an extremely violent sport. They were not to, permitted to fight without helmets, or their heads would be crushed. So any of the boxers would have helmets on, metal helmets, so their head wouldn't get crushed in the midst of the combat. Few lived to retire from their profession because most died in the ring. They wore gloves of steel with spike nails on them. Some were, had uh, metal on it that were serrated, so it was like knives. And so when they would begin to throw down, it wasn't just, oh, a boxing glove. It's like, poof. Now, now nothing against Floyd Mayweather. When he, when he hits, I'm sure it hurts. <laughs> but what they would fight and how we view boxing today is completely different. When they would fight, they would have metal helmets on, and they would be exactly like the gladiators you see in the movies today. Big men, beastly men, and they would have these gloves on with metal, metal gloves on with nails in them or some serrated edges on them, and it would be like knives. And they would go to throw down. And they would go to punch. And many of their people, after a couple years in the ring, they would be completely disformed and disfigured. Because of the boxing and the house of combat that they would go to. But they would become the bravest and mightiest warriors in the battle. That was their boxers. Their wrestlers were a little bit different in style. Their wrestlers would wrestle until death. Submission holds didn't stop at a tap out. They broke arms, legs, and crippled their other opponents. We, we like to uh, watch... Uh, UFC, some of you like to watch it, and they'll get somebody in a submission hold where their arm's about to be broken, they'll tap out. <laughs> There's no such thing as a tap out. If they got you in submission hold, your arm's broke. If they got you in a leg lock, your leg's broke. They would fight to cripple each other, and you know the common wrestling moves that they have where they go up behind somebody and pick them up and slam them down on their back? That was an actual real move, but they wouldn't let them land on their back like in fake wrestling. And yes, wrestling is fake if you didn't know that, okay? I hate to burst some of y'all's bubble, okay? But, but they would do it, and they would make them land on the top of their shoulders and the bottom of their neck and literally break their neck with such impact that they would die right there in the ring. This is the kind of fighting Paul's talking about. When he said, we do not wrestle, this is what he's referring to. These boxers, he's referring to these wrestlers, but then he's also referring to this kind of fighter, and this is what it would like to be our modern UFC fighters. They're called pancreatists. It was the fighter called a pancreatist, and this is what he was. The pancreatists were a combination of boxers and wrestlers. They were the literally beast athletes of their time. Pan meaning all and kratos meaning power exhibited. The pancreatists were some of the most massive amount of skilled and powerful people in the empire at that time. So if you went to this place called Palestra and it's the house of combat and you were a boxer, you were awesome. If you were a wrestler, you were unique. But if you were a pancreatist, you were the man. You were the man, and it was literally like our UFC. You could box, you could wrestle, you were all in all one of the most powerful people in the kingdom. And literally, they would fight to the death every time they fought. And so when they would go into the big arenas and fight somebody, they would fight to the death. But in the midst of the house, the house of combat, they would fight. But because they were on the same side, they would develop skills they would keep them from dying in the arenas that they would go to. Today, when we're in the house of God, it's time that we start developing skills. Amen? 
as time we start developing skills, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We need to start developing skills as believers of how to fight, not fight with each other, not fight against each other, but fight with each other. There's a big difference. See, if I'm going into a battle, I want somebody fighting with me, right? And, and Damon, can I pick on you for a second? Can you get up here, bro? Damon used to be a fighter back in his day, way back in the high school days, and I never was, <laughs> right? I was, never, I was never a fighter. But Damon has a little bit more fighting skills than I would ever have because we did it one night when we were playing around, and he punched me square in the nose, and I was done. I was done, man. And I ain't even playing. We had these big old gloves on, and I did like this, and he said, bam, right when I was, I said, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. I am finished. But if I am going into battle, and I'm, I'm going to a fight, I don't want somebody like me who's never fought before. I'm going to say, hey, D, we got, a, we got something we got to handle. Right. And, and I'll never forget one night when, when we were all riding around and probably doing some stuff we weren't supposed to do. I'm telling honest, bro. All right, good, 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 good. And there was a chance that something could go down. I just remember Damon. He just zoned with a completely different zone. I was like, what's this cat doing? He started taking stuff off and taking necklaces off. And he was getting serious. He's ready to fight. I'm so glad it didn't come down to it. It never happened. And we never, I mean, yeah. He, you think I'm playing? I wanted to go to a fight with somebody who could fight. <laughs> right? And some of us in this, we're so busy fighting church members instead of fighting with church members i need somebody to fight with me not fight against me in the body of christ in the house of combat we need to start fighting with each other and for each other not against each other the weapons we have for our spiritual warfare the helmet of salvation the sword of the spirit the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness our feet fit with the shot of peace the field the shield of faith and praying in the spirit we're supposed to be praying in the spirit with each other for each other to go to battle with one another not using it against one another I want somebody who's going to fight with me in the process. Thanks. You'll give Damon a hand. And I want somebody who's going to fight with me in the process. And you're saying, Pastor, why are you using such violent description this morning? Because i got to get you to realize something. The battle is real and the devil is playing for death. He wants death in your kids. He wants death in your marriage. He wants death in your finances. He wants death in you emotionally. He wants death in your social life. He wants death in every way for you. He does. And the wrestling description that Paul uses, he was trying to illustrate that. That listen, when you're going to a fight, you're going to a place called Palestra, and you're fighting the Pancratists, which are the elite battlefield of people of the time. So it's time that the people in the house of combat get ready to fight. Amen. And many people in the church are afraid of the fight. It's no longer time to walk in fear. We live in a day that requires faith. We live in a day that requires faith. I'm going to say it again. We live in a day that requires faith. And it's time that we walk by faith. It's time that we live by faith. It's time that we fight the good fight of faith. And so get ready this morning. You're going to learn how to fight the good fight of faith. Amen? If you're excited about it, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Say, my day, my, day. My, time, my time, my victory. My victory. Let's jump into the message this morning. That was just precursor stuff. Are you ready for the message? Write this point down. If you ain't got a pen, grab a visitor card out of the back of the chair in front of you and start taking notes. 
First thing about getting an atmosphere of faith and you be learning how to fight by faith is taking notes, <laughs> right? I, I mean, you ain't going to remember this when you leave if you don't write it down. Get your phone out, get your iPad out, start taking notes. By not having a plan, you are planning to fail. Hear me on this. When you, Damon, I ain't said that in weeks until you made fun of me about that this past week. Hear me on this. That's what I just said. By not having a plan, you're planning to fail. By not setting a budget, you're going to go in debt. By not safeguarding your marriage, you're going to get a divorce. By not raising up your kids right in a godly environment, you're going to run and be like hell. By not having a plan, you're planning to fail. And we need to write that down. So what is our plan? What is the optimal plan for a believer? This is it. It's in Colossians 2, 6. And we've read this every week now. And, and it wasn't my intention when I started this series, but it's become a key verse in the series. Colossians 2, 6 says, Therefore, and now if there's ever a therefore, go back and read previously because it's therefore a reason. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him. First part of your plan is to stay in Christ. The first part of your plan is to stay in Christ. If you read Colossians 2, 6 through 2, 15, it says in Christ or in him, I, I guarantee you about seven to nine times in those verses of Scripture, depending on what version of the Bible you read. So if you're not having a plan to succeed, you're planning to fail, and the first part of your plan is this. So you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, so walk in him. So what the Bible is saying, if you don't plan to walk in him, it means you're planning on walking without him. Do you understand that? Uh, read what Paul said by what he didn't say, not just by what he said. Paul said right here, so therefore as you have received Christ as Lord, so walk in him. So that means you're going to be walking, and so you're either walking in him or you're not walking in him. If you're going to plan to be victorious in this life as a believer and you finally realize where the battle is, it's not against human flesh, but it's against issues and people and principalities and powers and all those things, and we're fighting to maintain a place of victory in Christ because it's who we are. If we're going to maintain the victory that Christ has won for us, we're going to do it by maintaining our lifestyle in Him and being in Christ. So we must learn to stay in Christ. By not having a plan, you're planning to fail. And then it goes on to say, therefore, if you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. And it gives you three ways to do it. Rooted, built up, and established. Established in the faith, just as you were taught. And then it goes on to say, so see to it no one takes you captive. Let's read what Paul said by what he didn't say. It said, he went on to say, be rooted, built up, and established. But then in verse 8 it says, see to it that no one takes you captive. That means something's trying to take you captive. Right? Read what Paul said by what he didn't say. It means, so maintain your freedom. See to it that no one or nothing takes you captive. And so what Paul is saying is saying, get ready and to stay free or stay out of a place of captivity. Here's what you do. You must be rooted, you must be built up, and you must be established. Now, if I think of a great big oak tree that's rooted, that's grown up, and that's established, there's not a lot that can take that tree down. Many of our Christian walks are like a flower in the flower garden, not an oak tree that's weathered the years of storm. And I believe this with all my heart. Jesus come back, didn't come back, or, or Jesus didn't expect a, a kingdom of flower child believers. The Bible calls us oaks of righteousness. The Bible calls us like trees planted by the streams of water that yields our fruit in season. 
The Bible describes us as believers who are rooted, established, and built up in the faith. And so in this process of being rooted, established, and built up in the faith, here's the issue. Many Christians are in the house, the house of combat, and are saved, but they're not plugged into the power of the house. We come to church, you're in the house. We come to uh, knowledge in Christ, we come to salvation, we're in the house. But for some reason, we don't stay plugged into the power source in the house. What good is it to buy the nicest lamp you can possibly find and never plug it in? Right? A lot of us are beautifully crafted lamps. The Bible says you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. You're beautifully crafted, and, but you're not useful because you hadn't plugged into the power source. So the only thing you're good about if you're a lamp not plugged into the power source is to sit over there and catch dust and ask the question, why isn't that lamp being used? Why isn't that lamp being used? So by not having a plan, you're planning to fail. We need to plug into the power source of God Almighty and watch God begin to use us in a mighty way. And here's the three things that are going to happen um, in your life when you plug in, when you transform, when you get ready to be literally in the house and be ready to fight. There's some amazing things that take place. One of the main things we struggle is many people like the idea of victory rather than the actual victory itself. Many people like the idea of victory. Many people like the idea of a great marriage. How many of y'all like the idea of a great marriage? Amen, lift your hand. How many of y'all like the idea of being debt-free, financially free, in charge of your money rather than your money running you, right? How many of y'all like the idea of your kids being awesome? <laughs> Nobody ever said, I hope my kid turns out like a hellion. <laughs> Nobody ever said that, right? How many of y'all love the idea of your kids growing up and being successful in the career and in the field that God called them to? How many of y'all love that idea? See, we love the idea of victory, but the actual fight to get to victory, we don't like. Because to be financially free, it's going to take a battle because you can't have a victory unless there's a what? A battle. So go back to what we just started the whole message out with. You better come to your life ready to fight. Because the devil's trying to play for death, and you're going to live victoriously. A lot of people love the idea of victory but don't like the victory itself. We need to, we view victory as pleasant, but when victory is actually a fight. We view victory as great. We have this facade in our head built up of how awesome and amazing a victory is. And victory is great, but victory is not victory unless there's a fight. And victory doesn't mean something unless it's fought for. Well, why are you celebrating something you hadn't, you hadn't fought for? <laughs> right? A lot of people want to celebrate but they don't want to fight. You're not going to get to celebrate without the fight. How many of y'all have ever been praying for something and you've interceded and you've pressed in and finally you received a great victory throughout that circumstance in your life? How many of y'all have ever had that happen? Just lift your hand high. The victory was sweet. Why? Because of the amount of time you spent in the fight. The victory was great because of the amount of time you spent in battle. But a lot of people love the idea of victory but don't really want to do what it takes to get to the victory. We become a group of believers that has become dependent on everyone else to do the victory and the fighting for them. Oh, pastor, would you just pray for me? Yeah, I'll pray for you, but I'm not going to just stand there and fight for you the rest of your life. I'll fight with you. I'm not going to fight against you, but I'm going to teach you how to fight for you in the process. Because ain't nobody can fight for Joel like Joel's going to fight for Joel. <laughs> 
Nobody's going to fight for mine and Sherry's marriage like mine and Sherry are going to fight for our marriage. So you must begin to understand, we love the idea of a victorious marriage, but we got to put steps in place for our marriage to be victorious. We love the idea of it, but it's going to take a plan of action to get us there. Okay, this is all going to come together here in just a minute because some of y'all are thinking, I'm already discouraged by this message because I don't even have an action plan. Your action plan's coming here in just a minute. We got to understand we're not fighting to gain victory, but we're fighting to maintain victory. Have you ever had a whole room of your house just absolutely beautified and cleaned out? I mean, it looks gorgeous. Finally, you got done with a hard day's work. You say, wow, that looks awesome. Now, isn't it easier to keep it maintained than to go back three months later after not having maintained and have to do it all over again? So many believers in the body of Christ do the do it all over again time and time again when if we would just maintain what Christ has already done, amen, we would maintain a lifestyle of victory rather than achieving victory through what he's done and then not walk with him and go back into defeat and then have to fight back to get our way back to victory. How many of y'all have ever paid off a credit card just to go get another credit card? <laughs> right? And then you struggle with debt. See, if we maintain victory, God's going to continue to do amazing things in our life. God's goal for us is to maintain a lifestyle of victory when we achieve it. Many people like the idea of being blessed rather than pressing in to receiving the blessing. Many people like the idea of being blessed. Oh, I would love it if God would come through for me. I've heard this more times than, than not. Oh, I'm praying for my spouse to come to church. And the minute the spouse starts coming to church, they get on fire for Jesus. And the one that's been praying gets bitter. <laughs> see, see, we like the idea of being blessed more than the blessing. Because all the time you've been in church, you've been in control. You've been the one praying. You've been the one receiving. But now that they rose up and they're calling, it's not so much on you anymore. And you're like, well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Right? Here's the deal with pressing in and receiving your victory and pressing into the blessing. Genesis 3, 28 and 29 said this. And this is where Jacob wrestled with God. That term wrestle, when you break it down into the Hebrew, it, it breaks down to this word. F-O-U-G-H-T. He fought with God. He didn't fight against God. He fought with God. Uh, get, get the clarity on this. He fought with God, the Bible says. And so in this it says, Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven, contended. The New Living Translation version of the Bible says, Fought with God and with men, and you have prevailed. And there God blessed him. Now are you ready? Now go back to the beginning of the message, and I need you to think about how we talked about the house of combat, fighting with somebody, sharpening our skills as iron sharpens iron. This is what we got to begin to think of when we go through this process here because this is what's going to get you ready for the battle to get you to the victory and the blessing of God in your lifetime right now beginning today. Can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah. All right, here's what we're going to do. The Bible says this in Genesis 23 verses 24b. It says, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And a man wrestled with him till the breaking of day. When you can wrestle with God and prevail, you can take on any battle that the world's going to bring. Let, let, let me explain that again. When you can wrestle with God and prevail, you will wrestle with anything in the world and you'll be victorious. 
Why do I make such a point of emphasis on this? Because some of us don't want to wrestle with God. Some of us don't want to open up the hard scriptures and wrestle with them until we get clarity on them. Some of us don't want to break open the word of God. We want to be spoon-fed the rest of our life on how to fix our marriage with five steps to a positive marriage that you can get in any leadership curriculum and just revise it with a Christian swing on it. But if we are going to be victorious, it's going to take wrestling with God over what his word said until we cannot be thrown off, until we become victorious, until we prevail with God in our, in our wrestling. Now listen, this is not a negative thing, okay? I've used this illustration before and I'll use it again. I love it when my boys and I wrestle. I love it. And a few years ago, I taught my, my oldest son to say, Daddy, you want some? And he'd get a big old smile on his face when he said it. And I said, oh, yeah. And I would sprint down out the hall after him, and I would grab him up, and I would wrestle him, and I would hold him down, and I would tickle him and make him squirm until he would fight his way out. <laughs> what is negative about that? Absolutely Nothing. That is the exact image of God training you how to fight. He wants you to get with his word and grab a hold of it and say, God, I want some of this. And I'm going to study it and I'm going to talk with you about it. I'm going to tell you where I disagree with it. And you're going to enlighten me on it. And we're going to come out and we will prevail together. And you know what that does when me and my son wrestle or contend with one another or fight with one another? It draws us closer. We want that relationship. We crave that type of relationship as men. Men, whenever you go to play sports with your friends, when you're on that court, you ain't friends. <laughs> you're playing with one another, not against one another, because you're not going to beat each other down. when it's, Maybe some of you do. But, but you contend like the NBA championship is on the line if you're playing backyard basketball. When we contend... With God, he will sharpen our skills so that way when the devil comes and we've been immersed in his word and we've been wrestling over God, with God, over his word, when, when the enemy comes and he begins to throw something at us, we look at him and we laugh and say, I've contended with God and prevailed. Enemy, who do you think you are? If you can contend with God and prevail, there's no attack that the world will ever bring that can bring you down. The problem is we got so many people worried about the devil trying to fight off the devil. We hadn't spent time contending with God over his word. And we have been taken captive because we haven't stayed focused on God. We must begin to wrestle with God. The Bible says in Genesis 23, 26, Jacob said, I will not let go of you unless you bless me. I will not let go of you unless you bless me. Now listen to the phraseology of that sentence. I will not let go. This man couldn't shake him. When we cannot be shaken by God, we will not be shaken by the circumstances of the world. When we cannot be shaken by God, we will not be shaken by the circumstances of the world. In this process of not being shaken by God, you're going to have to hang on and not let go. And I always get this picture of a pit bull. Once a pit bull latches onto that rag that you're playing with, he ain't letting go. You can literally swing him until his body comes off the ground and he ain't letting go. You can swing him in a complete circle and he's not letting go. 
Some of you have gotten so accustomed to quitting in your life, you quit on God every time he brings you something in prayer. Some of us in the body of Christ have not spent enough time in the house of combat with God, and so therefore when things in the world happen, we get shaken. When the economy crashed a few, a few years back, church-wide panic took place. We were shaken by a circumstance of the world, and I realized this, if we're shaken by that, we haven't been contending with God enough. We must begin to come to a place of contention. So when therefore the enemy throws a hurling dart at you and your wife and tries to destroy your marriage, you can look at them and hold up the shield of faith and literally do this laugh because you look at it and say, I ain't been shaken by God, devil. There's nothing you can do to shake me. And listen to this. If you ever tell me, Pastor, you better knock on wood, I feel like punching people straight in the face when they say that. And I'm not even lying. And I'll just be brutally honest with you this morning. Why would I put my faith in a piece of wood when I got the God who made the wood? Why would I do something like that? I know it's cliche. I know people think it's funny. Don't ever tell me to knock on wood. Because I don't put my faith there. God said several times to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, do not put your faith in idols, not, not even of wood or of stone. And it may be funny and cliche for you, but I pray that you'll be in the presence of God enough that you get, you get frustrated when people tell you to put your faith in something other than God. And it's because the church world has put our faith in something other than God that we get shaken when the world shakes rather than standing firm on the word of God when the world's falling apart. If you cannot be shaken by God, you will not be shaken by the things of this world. And I pray that you'll grab onto God and let him begin to do his work in you. Finally, it said, you're no longer, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God or fought with God and with men, and you have prevailed. When you can contend with God, you can contend with the tax of the world. This is what we literally need to begin to do. We literally need to begin to do these three things. We need to wrestle with God over his word. We need to begin to wrestle with God over his word. Don't tell me you are walking in Christ and that's your plan, so walk in him. Remember we talked about if you don't have a plan, you're going to plan to fail. And the first part of your plan is to so walk in him. Don't tell me you're planning to be victorious and you don't read the Bible on a daily basis. You, you want to plan a victory for your marriage? Start reading the Bible every day. Start wrestling with God over the scriptures every day. Start going to God with the scripture every week and say, God, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me with what this scripture really means. Open it up in the Greek. Open it up in the Hebrew. Pastor, I don't know how to do that. I didn't know how to do it one day either, but I found a book and opened it up and taught myself how to use it. And bless the Lord, you got the internet. Go to blueletterbible.org and figure out how to use it. It's simple. But here's the thing. But it's tough. But it takes time. It's going to take effort. You're right. Getting battle ready takes effort. But don't you know it pays off when you're not falling to the same things in the traps of your marriage that you fell for the past 10 years? Don't you know it pays off when your kids come home and they're lying to you and the Spirit of God descends on you and says, they're lying. Every parent's eyes just perked up right there. I just saw a parent's eyes like, you don't get that by watching primetime television. Yeah. 
You get it by wrestling with God over his word. And when you begin to wrestle, you don't ever want to quit. Literally, people have to make you quit wrestling with the word of God. I love my Tuesdays. Tuesdays are my favorite day of the week besides Sunday morning. Because every Tuesday I get to spend eight hours wrestling with God over a message that I get to preach on Sunday. And oh, we do some wrestling. Oh, we do some throwing down. Oh, we do some God I had never heard that in my life. And he's like, probably a lot of other people haven't either. And God, that goes everything against everything I've ever taught. That's why the church is still in bondage. It's time that we wrestle with God over his word. The next thing is this. We need to be shaken to the core in our prayer life. Our prayer life needs to be shaken. We need to go get in the presence of God and begin to pray and God show him part of us that we've never seen before. I'm talking, I'm talking shaken, shaken. I'm talking Isaiah 6, shaken, where we begin to taste God, where we begin to tingle when we feel the presence of God, where we begin to literally feel our hands get warm with the anointing of God to go pray for somebody. I'm talking that kind of shaken to the core in our prayer life. I'm talking battle ready. I'm not talking being, a, being a, a, a wimpy Christian the rest of your life. I'm talking about producing soldiers, a pancreatist soldier that's great at boxing, that's great at wrestling, that literally exhibits all power in the lifestyle of a believer. It's time to be shaken again in our prayer life. We need to contend with God in our spiritual life so he can teach us how to fight. God created the universe. God created everything in the universe. God even created Satan himself who fell. And understand this. If God created Satan himself who fell, do you think if you spent enough time with him, he would teach you how to defeat him? God is all-knowing. He knows every attack that the enemy is going to bring your way and how he's going to do it. If we will spend time wrestling with God, he will spend time training us for our specific calling and task at hand. And I'm talking wrestle with him. Talk and fight with him. I'm not going to get in depth of spiritual warfare here, but there are certain spirits that reside over certain areas. Don't you think if Sulphur Springs would begin to wrestle with God, no, forget Sulphur Springs. Don't you just think if TWBC would begin to wrestle with God over the status of our city, of our school systems, over our, over our administration systems, over our legal systems, over our justice system, if we begin to wrestle with God over that, he would begin to train us how to fight the battle to receive victory over every area of our region. We just got to spend time contending with God. I'm going to close with this this morning. Many people like the idea of free, but are scared of the violence in the fight. Many, are afraid, many people are afraid of the violence simply because they've never tasted victory. Many people are afraid of the violence because you've never tasted victory. And I'm going to say that one more time. Many people are afraid of the violence in the fight because you've never tasted victory. But oh, once you taste victory, once you get that first marriage victory in your marriage, once you and your spouse see the devil coming at your marriage and you, for the first time you cut him off at the pass and you look at each other as husband and wife and say, we're not falling into this, we're not going to fight over this, we're going to begin to go to the Lord our God in prayer over this and you receive that first victory. Once you taste it, <laughs> You're never going back. The thing about every believer in this room, you must begin to taste victory. You must begin to have it. Because I'll be honest with you, when you start becoming victorious in warfare, it literally is like spiritual 
drug that you won't ever get off of. 